What's happening, everybody? Welcome to Monday edition of Texans All Access. Happy New Year's to all of you. Glad you're with me. John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter for your Houston Texans. And we are, well, with college football games going on and everything happening in the building, we figured, you know what? Let's just play for you what Mark and I and our guest did this morning. How about that on Texans Monday? So let's kick it off with, well, the start of the show with me. Mark, and we were joined by Andy Kalu. And the horseshoe is next. Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> You've been saying it. We've been saying that. We probably all the way back to week two, Mark. Yes. we. Uh, look, I, I thought it would all come down to this. It's week 18. It's all come down to this. This is it. This is the Colts and the Texans for the playoffs. One year ago, very different situation. We can get into all that. It's Texans Monday, presented by Houston Methodist, and we've got a lot to talk about. The Texans dismantling the Tennessee Titans season sweep. Very nice. And the Colts in the crosshairs. Colts beating the Raiders 23-20. to Raiders with 10 fourth-quarter points. Uh, we can get into that game, the nuances of it, how dangerous the Colts are. We will. But never mind how the Colts are, Johnny. This is the freaking Colts, this is it. The white whale, the nemesis, the all-time villain, and you have to go through them to get to the playoffs. And it feels like the playoffs already, doesn't it? With the 17-game schedule, we haven't had a playoff berth in a 17-game schedule yet. So this is the first opportunity to get one because the previous years, no sir. So here you are with a chance to go. But it feels like a playoff week right now because you're playing on a Saturday. It's already game week Tuesday, Johnny. And you know where I'm going with this because Saturday is Sunday. That means we fly out Friday, which would be a Saturday. And don't get me started on Wednesday, which will really be a Thursday. So it'll be strange. Yeah, but Wednesday is actually Tuesday for the players because everything got moved up. So Wednesday turns into Tuesday for the players. That'll be their Wednesday day. No, it doesn't. It's a Thursday. No, I'll... No, really not. Normally, the Wednesday that they would have during a game week has been moved up to Tuesday. No, but I think this Wednesday is more like a Thursday because today Uh, is Monday. See how everybody gets confused with this? Here's how easy this is. The playoffs begin Saturday night at Mm 7-15 in Indianapolis, Indiana at Lucas Oil Stadium because it is win, continue season, Losing the season is over, and you're pretty, checking out Sunday. Simple. That's really what it is. It's you mentioned it. It feels like a playoff week. Or I woke up kind of feeling, in some sense, like, "Oh, right, we made the playoffs." I'm like, "No, I have to remind myself." No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, but that's essentially what it is. And my interview with Tamiko Ryan's at some point, I asked him after I congratulated him for his defense getting a touchdown, which he said was causing him some some uh, agita at the nighttime because they hadn't got one until week 17. He would like he would have liked one earlier. Now Des King had one against Denver, but they Call got back. It was a blown call. Um, so there was that. Does but, that happen in this league ever? Yeah, just a few times. But I said, "All right, coach, regular season's over. You're on to the playoffs." And he kind of laughed and chuckled, and he said, "Yeah, that's really what it is because it's now it's now the playoffs. You win, you keep your season going. Because what happens? Just put it in our world for a second. And I think about this a lot." We when when the season is over, that Monday after the season, we do Texas Monday. We yeah. do the whole day. We do Texas All Access. We have our last coach's show. That's it. None of the other shows that we normally do during the week. So match up on Tuesday, uh, player show on Tuesday. Yeah. Any of that, that all stops. Stops. So we're at a point now where 
when we get into playoffs, mm-hmm. I always kind of, when I always would match up, like, I hope we talk to you guys next week. We don't know because if we lose, it's over. Yeah. And you just you just don't know when it when and, it's and over. it comes to a screeching halt a if you lose. A screeching halt. And so you'd like to be able to make the playoffs. I'll tell you this about Indianapolis. I know people you talk about it being the we probably have more um not vitriol, but just more PTSD from it than these players. When we played Tennessee, when we played Tennessee the first time and and beat them, the locker room was raucous. But I could hear in the locker room at some point, I could hear them like, yeah, yeah, we'll see you in two weeks. Yeah, that's good. Like, these guys have a little bit of that in them. Like, okay. And I don't know if there was some t- trash talking or whatever was going on. And today, we'll see you in two weeks. It was more like, yeah, yeah, we'll see you in two weeks. You got to mm-hmm. tangle with us now. Yeah. And I kind of hope that's the thought process. Not that you go into Indianapolis all you know, we're, we're winning this game and nobody – no, you have to respect an opponent and you have to, you know, play as if, you know, obviously it's a playoff game. I and mean, that team beats you by 11 points here. But I feel like this team has a different edge to it. Oh, yeah. Which, which, I, which I like. They don't, they don't back down. And I don't think in this situation they're going to go to Indianapolis now. They might be banged up because of some of the injuries we saw yesterday. And we'll see how that, how that plays out. But they certainly sure as hell are not backing down from anybody, anywhere, anytime. And I, and I love that. And it starts with it starts with D'Amico, and it filters all the way through this team. And defensively yesterday, they didn't back down from anybody. If I had told you before the game, mm-hmm. well, maybe you'd believe it because you did it the first time. But Derrick Henry's going to run for 42 yards. That's not a great Derrick Henry output, right? It's horrible. If for we him. did that in game one, we'd be hanging yeah, the banner. We had more sack yardage yesterday than he had rushing yards. Ooh, that's nice. We had 50 yards in sack yardage. Mm. Henry had 42. We held him to 51 yards rushing in two games. Yep. After giving up 200-plus each four times previously. He got a fourth of that in two games. And I said it at the end. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm just going to say it. He... He's from just outside Jacksonville. I've been following his career for a long time. I'm a big fan of Derrick Henry, what he does. He does it quietly. He does it with humility. I love what he stands for as a football player. But he can get the hell out of Nashville. Yeah. He can get the hell out of Nashville. Get out. Go. Go to the NFC, man. And he don't want to see you anymore. They they can't run that back. They because it's over for them from that standpoint. Tannehill gone. Henry gone. They're done. To me, the Henry formula is over. He's a different kind of player now. He's got to go to a team where he can be in a mix of things, and that team is not Indianapolis. He's not going to re-up there. Mm-mm. Made a lot of money. Congratulations. Got the second contract. Yep. Had a lot of success, and now he's gone. It's Hall of Famer, right? And we talk about – I I got to look at all the – I think so. I think so. I know the body of Period work. Period of dominance is the thing. Yeah, that is that is the thing. He was the most feared back in this league for a stretch. Is it enough of a stretch? Let the Hall of Fame voters debate that. But to us, he's an all-time Texans villain. Yep. And he's the one all-time. player that is a non-quarterback who is – somebody just terrified me when he was on the field. T.Y. Hilton is a different thing. You were thinking, oh, man, here's T.Y. But, you know, he could have four catches and ruin your day. Mm-hmm. With Henry, it's a steady pounding of 
abuse yep. that he levies against you, and it's happened so many times. So to have this success against him in in back to back games, two weeks apart, three weeks apart, that is phenomenal stuff. And uh, 42 yards, yeah, I would have taken it every single time because I said before the game, I said last week, 70 to 100 is fine. Yep. We'll deal with that. Mm-hmm. Just don't let the quarterback do some crazy things. Get the quarterback on the ground. They did that. Will Levis got sacked once, but it was a big one, and he left the game. One thing stood out to me more than anything else, and Seth noted it in in his uh, two hours this morning with with Sean as I was driving in, was driving in like I don't know six fifteen ish, but I was on the Odyssey app because I was behind a little bit, so I wanted to hear him from the beginning of the show. You could tell he was done, Henry. He was done. Yeah, he didn't want any part of ramming his head into that defense any longer. Well, they were tackling he was him with five guys. Done. He, yeah, he was, and I've never seen him defeated like that. Even in even in the game up there. It was even wasn't getting anything, but you didn't see that. They took his soul yesterday. I mean, it was gone. They snatched it, um, and just I mean that offensive line for the Titans was a is a mess. Is a mess. Will be a mess. Uh, Andre Dillard was pulled at halftime. So they Andre Dillard, the guy everybody thought the Texans should draft right. in 2019 ahead of Curtis Howard. Mm-hmm. The guy everybody thought they should take. Ends up in Tennessee, and Will Anderson abuses him. Yeah, two and straight plays. They have to pull him. And, I mean, the first uh, was it the first sack or the second sack. I think it was the first sack. Will went through Spears and Dillard, went through both of them to get the sack. And he played limited snaps. Yeah, he didn't play a full. He didn't well, play a full complement of plays, look, which this is didn't I, need to. I know it's not apples to apples. Actually, I'd love it to be apples to apples. But when you think about what Watt did late in the rookie year. And Uh, I heard Seth talking about it this morning. Mm -hmm. And Watt talked about, quote, figuring things out as it got late in the season into the postseason. And I'm looking at Will thinking, huh, is he figuring things out? I'm listening to Seth talk about how he's handling certain situations differently as a pass rusher now than he was earlier in the season. And look, he's a rookie. He's learning his way. And I thought, this is a good thing. Preserve him. Got to get him going next week against Minshew. Yep. And then who knows after that? So let's just see. This is beautiful. The fact that you have Derek Barnett playing at a nice level oh, right here. Derek Barnett's I game mean, yesterday. Wow. And Jerry comes up with that big strip sack yep. with Grenard out. I don't know what Grenard's situation is. He tweeted yesterday about how something great with the team. I think it was Will yep. Anderson. Yep. So that was good. I say that's good because... Is that a sign that he's healthy? If you're not coming back at all, would you tweet at all? I don't know. Maybe today, kids, they tweet Listen, all the if time. anybody wants to play in this game on Sunday or Saturday, it's John Grenard. Think, oh, about, he, think about his path. He knows path. what it means. Think oh, about man. his path. He will do everything to play in that game. Yeah, yeah. There is no bigger game that Texas have played since he's been here. I mean, 2019, obviously, we go and have you know that moment in Kansas City and win that playoff game against Buffalo, all that. Grenard shows up the next year. He shows up during COVID. He's gone through how many head coaches? He's gone through how many defensive schemes? He's gone through all of this. He's finally, you know, in his contract year, and he's putting together and stringing together one of the best years a, a, a edge rusher's ever had here in Houston. Yeah. Absolutely. Literally. Dominant at times throughout this year. He is not going to want to miss the most important game that we've played in four years. He's not, he's not going to want to miss it. Now, physically, that's, that's the question. Yeah. Like, how, how is he going to end up being physically? But, you know, the Titans, it's funny because the Titans only saw 
Gennard, and then they saw Will. They never saw both of them. At the same but time, that's beautiful. If Derek Barnett gave you yesterday, how about how about DB yesterday? Sack and a half, four QB hits. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. All right, let's get ND in here, and I want to get his thoughts on Will Anderson and many other things. Happy New Year, ND. What do you think of, let's start with that, the edge rusher, Will Anderson, limited snaps, back-to-back sacks on one possession, real factor in the game, and they just got after it in general on that D-line. First of all, Happy New Year, and, you know, thanks to D'Amico and company, they're making it happy for all the Texan fans out there. Uh, To answer your question about Will Anderson, what I saw is what I've seen all year. You know, I have a little bit different take than those saying he's doing something different. For me, when I've watched him all season, he's always had that burst. He's always had that disruptive nature, the way he plays. And sacks do come in bunches. So I, it's not like I see a different move that he's utilizing. It's not like I see a different approach mentally uh, with the pass rush. It's just one of those deals. When you play hard and you go hard, eventually good things are going to happen and production will happen. And in regards to the sacks, I, I mean, every play that he made yesterday, I've seen him make or be close to making throughout the entire year. Things just happened to go his way on the stat sheet. Well, they did, uh, and he did it in limited snaps too, Andy. I think that's the, the that's the more impressive thing. He's like six pressures on like 20 snaps or something like that, which is, which is uh, unbelievable. Andy, taking away Derrick Henry's runway, and then tackling him. Those are two those are two musts when you play Henry. But obviously teams have struggled to do that. But in the two meetings with Henry and the Titans, the Texans have been able to do that from a run defensive run defense standpoint. What really has been working for the team? What have you seen up front that really they were able to shut down Henry and really been able to shut down a lot of teams' run games lately? You know what? It's an awesome mindset because so many guys, especially in today's day and age where you're just looking at sacks, where you're if you're not double-digit sacks, you're not a, a great defender, you're not a great front four player, but these guys, they take pride in playing against the run. And you can tell the way they've approached Derrick Henry the last two games, they really wanted to shut him down. You know, they're putting hats. How many times have we seen multiple guys on the tackle? the pursuit drill. I mean, all the basics that they teach you as a young defensive player, you actually see them doing it against the run. And I just really like the mindset and how much pride they take in playing against the run. And they don't have that approach where it's just about the sack. Andy Kalu joining us, Texans Monday. Andy, what about tackling Jonathan Taylor? Both of you. I got a question for both of you. You go from the frying pan into the fire. You just dealt with Henry very well. Now you have Jonathan Taylor, and he played pretty well yesterday for the Colts in their victory over the Raiders. Thoughts? You know, when you look at Jonathan Taylor, he's not better than Derrick Henry. I still think he's in his prime. And as of right now, he is a more effective player. I think he had close to 100 yards or right under 100 yards against the Raiders yesterday. I was looking at his stats. You know, this is a guy that when he's healthy, when he's hitting on all cylinders, he's one of the top running backs in the NFL, but he just hasn't been consistent. For them to win this game, though, they do have to shut down Jonathan Taylor and Gardner Minshew is going to have to win it for the Colts. So I'm sure this entire defense is looking forward to that challenge. You know, the one thing that the secondary and a lot of times didn't have to do the last few weeks was come up and tackle Derrick Henry or Jerome Ford because the front six really – I mean, the Texans have turned into a nickel defense. I mean, if you want to look at it that way, they, they're essentially playing a 4 because Desmond King's playing almost every play. The secondary really, other than, than Des, they made some tackles yesterday, but they don't have to. 
what the secondary has to prevent on Saturday is Jonathan Taylor going 85 yards to the house if the if the Colts block it up well and open a seam because JT can take it 85 yards to the house. We've seen him do that uh, and do it often. And so that's the thing that I think Taylor scares you more than Henry. Henry's got that speed, but I think the secondary, because he's got build-up speed, I think Jonathan Taylor's got go-go speed from the beginning. So that's the one thing I think you got you to gotta avoid. Andy, in big games like this, you having played, I would imagine, in a few of them, what is it that players have to avoid? I mean, getting over-anxious, trying to do too much. What are the things that players have to avoid when they're playing in a big game like this? I mean, you know, <laughs> over-anxious, overthinking it, uh, getting that backside a little too tight. And you're right, I've been lucky enough, blessed enough to play in some big games in my career. And there were some games when we played the Carolina Panthers when I was with Philadelphia and the Panthers ended up going to the Super Bowl. We were supposed to beat them. I mean, there, there was we had more talent. We had more success throughout the year. But we wanted it so bad. We, we were so... I don't even know if locked in is the right term because that's not real. We were locked in during the week, but we just didn't let it loose. We didn't let it all hang out on game day and we played tight. We played not to lose and we ended up losing that game and they go off to the Super Bowl. So for this team, they can't get too tight. They can't start thinking, oh man, if we lose this game against the Colts, we don't make the playoffs. We're so close. They just need to play with that same smile, that same loose energy that they played with throughout the year. And they're playing with house money. You, you know, I was saying if they could figure out a way to win seven games this year, then D'Amico Ryan should be coach of the year and they're going in the right direction. Now they have a chance to actually get into the playoffs and get double-digit uh, victory. I mean, it, it, it's already been a successful year, so they just need to go out there with a smile on their face, roll the ball out in Indianapolis and just play and, and not get too tight and not overthink the situation at half. Yeah, I get the feeling they're not looking at it that way. They're here now. They want it. CJ said it yesterday. And bringing up the quarterback, ND, what did you think of what you saw yesterday in his return game? That ground game was clicking well for him. And obviously, they just had a lot of good things going in all phases. But Stroud looked pretty sharp in his return. Yeah, they lied to us. He's not a rookie. He's a season <laughs> My, my my initial thought was, man, he's a rookie. He's been out a couple of weeks. He's going to be rusty. And for him to look as poised and play the way he played. And I was even thinking this because I want to see him get the Offensive Rookie of the Year uh, award. But I thought with uh, Puka Nakua, the wide receiver with the Rams, how consistent and awesome he's been. And he hasn't missed any games that, oh, man, with C.J. Stroud being out two games, he's probably not going to win it. But the way he returned yesterday, the way he led the team, the way he looked after missing two games, he just looked like a seasoned vet. And there, there isn't anything you can say about C.J. Stroud uh, that others haven't said, and he's just living up to it. My only hope is that he's able to replicate this year in and year out for multiple years and not have a Carson Wentz type of career where one year you're talking about MVP, then two years later you're wondering what happened to him. So that's the only hope and only time will tell. But He's awesome. I mean, this is exactly what the Houston Texans fan base wanted, expected, and deserved. That's the eagle in you talking. That's the PTSD <laughs> of a Philly person. Not that you are one, but some of it rubbed off or something. Yeah, that's, that's what true. that is, ND. My gosh. You're watching Matt Patricia coaching that Eagles defense yes. now thinking, what is going on here? Meltdown in the city of brotherly love. 
And that's and you know what and I didn't want to you know put any negative twists on it but I still want to be realistic and and temper my excitement because I, I mean right now when I watch CJ Stroud play I'm thinking to myself hey three NFL MVPs he's going to lead the Texans to at least two Super Bowls but then I just have to kind of bring myself back to reality but man he he's just so fun to watch and just so mature like just the way he plays and what I like about him as opposed to a guy like Lamar Jackson who I truly love the way he plays. With Lamar Jackson, if you're a fan of that team, you're thinking to yourself, and eh, with his style of play, you just wonder how long it'll last. With C.J. Stroud's style of play and, which the, and the way he approaches the game mentally, I mean, he can do this for the next 10 to 15 years. Yeah, absolutely. Indy, I want to I hit on Brevin Jordan. From, from this standpoint, On f- I think it was Friday maybe, that Andrew Beck ended up getting hurt. Uh, he ended up, I think, showing up on the injury report that day, and then he's he's inactive. So on Friday, essentially, Brett finds out, okay, there could be a possibility that you're not so much the tight end as much as fullback, H-back sort of thing. So his role changes. So you're mentally prepared to have your role for the game, and then all of a sudden it changes, and now 48 hours later, you got to go out and you got to execute in that role I don't know if it's ever been like that for you, whether you plan to play on the outside and then say, hey, wait a second, Andy, we're going to need you on the inside. we got injuries, and you got to really kind of do an about-face with your preparation. Have you ever been through something like that? And with what Brev was able to do at fullback yesterday, does that speak sort of volumes to him, the fact that he was able to make that adjustment that quickly and have a good ball game like he did at fullback? No, you're you're absolutely right. Uh, and pros are going to adjust. And, you know, you asked the question if I had to adjust – when I was with the Texans, we had injuries inside and they just moved inside in the middle of the Jets game. And I forget his last name, but he's like an all pro center for the Jets. Uh, I want to say it was Nick something, but Nick Mangle. Nick Mangle. How can I forget that? So <clears throat> when the Texans moved me inside, he actually, because we knew each other, we had a pass. He looked at me, smiled, and said, what the heck are you doing down here? And I just <laughs> said, hey, <laughs> duty calls. Uh, so <laughs> When you bring up Brevin Jordan and the way he was able to adjust, that kind of tells you what type of team the Houston Texans are right now. We've seen it with Damian Pierce. Damian Pierce was your leading rusher last year. He's not really getting the carries of production. They say, "Ah, you know what, let's put you back there at kickoff return, and he takes one to the house last week. So you just get the, the mindset next man every man has to step up if somebody goes down regardless of what position you typically play you might have to uh, adjust and brevin jordan was able to do it and i thought he did it admirably okay nd does tennessee have a shot to knock off jacksonville because that's the other game that matters the one that matters most is saturday night when and you're in but i'm a little gordon gecko greedy right now here you go (laughs) yeah i want to see this victory and i want to see a titan victory because we all know what that means back here in less than two weeks thoughts you know do they have a chance yes it's the nfl i mean if you would have and you already talked about philadelphia i mean if somebody would have said does arizona have a chance against philadelphia if you say no you'd be wrong they end up winning that game but tennessee just man i never thought i would look at a a, a rabel coach team and they look so uninspired so i'll be very very shocked if they go in there and beat jacksonville but there's one thing about playing that spoiler there's one thing about that last game when you know you're not going into the playoffs and you want to be that hater you want to be that jerk some guys get up for that and who knows maybe tennessee they that's their last battle cry of the season yeah absolutely and i think they have ryan Tannehill playing quarterback 
I think that could end up being the thing. I think that would be a big help. A big help indeed, ND. All right. It's great to have you on. Happy New Year. And we'll talk to you tomorrow. Can't wait. It's a huge week. These are the kinds of weeks that we dream about. And so glad you're a part of it, ND. Yo, I'm glad to be a part of it. Appreciate it. And I will see you all tomorrow. All right. ND Kalu joining us on Texans Monday. And we will have many more this year. Many more. Many more. Well, yeah, it's 2024, so we're going to have plenty. We're going to have plenty more. (laughs) Nice one. I guarantee it. We're going to have plenty more in 2024 for sure. Uh, All right, we're going to talk about the the possibilities Saturday. I I really, Johnny, I really want to look ahead. You You want to? But I'm literally 50 feet away from people who would crush me. They would break down this door. Yeah. We're looking ahead. They would break down the door what and say, what are you doing? What are you doing? Because, it, look, and I'll go back to them and I'll, I'll say, no one knows more than me how difficult this is, mm-hmm. what you got to do yep. on Saturday. Absolutely. I don't want to tell them about the history because these young guys, maybe they don't care. And that's a good thing, right? Some of these, young guys, only know. Some of these young guys only know winning from last year up there. Oh, yeah, that's right. So, and not, lo- not, not losing, period, because they yeah. tied and they won last year. Mm-hmm. And I'm here to tell you that that was typical, in a sense, of the craziness of the series with the all-time nemesis, who you have played 44 times and only mm-hmm. won 10 of them. Think about that. And let, how many up there? Let that sink in for a moment. Well, it would be what, 20? 15? It would be 20, 15, 21 16, 18, times. 22. 21 times you four. played them up there. Four? four. So, okay, mm. I'll do the quick math. It's four and 17 at oh. Indy. <laughs> there it is for you. <laughs> but we got a one-game winning streak up there. No, that's, hey, it's, hey, you, it's you, a thing. look, you broke the streak in 15. In 16, you went back-to-back up there. You got another one in 18, mm-hmm. and you got last year's. But if you get this one, this is Frodo throwing the ring into the fire. This is completely wiping it away. I know the series will take years to even out, but this will be colossal. To go mm-hmm. in there and, I don't want to say never mind your aspirations, but let me just focus on them for a moment. Mm-hmm. If you make them miserable on Saturday night, uh, Johnny, I just it's going to be so good to get that done. Please do it. Please. I'm begging for a victory. This is good sports journalism, by the way. Very objective. That's right. It's the general, John McClain. Coming up next, the Texans All Access. Let's do it. Let's dive right back into a Monday edition of Texans All Access. We got you for two hours tonight. No Monday Night Football. So I, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, will take you through. We had a great show this morning. And we know a lot of you are watching college football, but hopefully you're listening on things or listening to things that you missed this morning. So let's do it. We started the second segment with a little discussion of the Texans' first defensive touchdown of the season. And then followed up with the general, John McClain. Nice. Okay, good job. Sheldon Rankins with the scoop and Jerry Hughes on Rep at H-Town Day. How about that? Jerry about Hughes that? reps H-Town with a strip sack that ends up in the end zone for the first defensive touchdown of the season. I say first, Johnny, because you have another opportunity Sunday yeah. to get more. First. And let's get them. only. Let's get to the general here, John McClain. John, happy new year. Texans, Colts for the playoffs Saturday night. And who would have thunk this back in July? But here we are, and it's oh so delightful. I can't decide if you're on speed or you're on your knees praying. <laughs> Since I've been listening both, for five minutes, I'm trying to figure out which it is. This is awesome. 
it is uh, incredible that the Texans got the best primetime game over the Ravens and Steelers. And again, it means a lot to the Steelers, and they're talking about, I'm sure they put the Steelers earlier because the Ravens may rest their players, but putting it, and they're not just being on ESPN, but being on ABC. So they're mm-hmm. going to have the whole country to themselves, and that's a game that traditionally draws a humongous audience. So Texans got a chance to show the nation what they haven't been able to show them during the season. The thing that was so impressive to me yesterday, you know, Stroud was fine in his return, and that's what everybody wanted to see, didn't turn it over. And uh, But what the defense did without Jonathan Grenard and Malik Willis, and I hope a lot of these national people, I hope Grenard can play. So these national people that keep talking about how great he is don't keep talking about Greenard. And uh, they'll actually learn how to pronounce Greener's name. But the way that they dominated the Titans again, the running game, the way they beat on Will Levis and Ryan Tannehill, Will Anderson coming back with two sacks, six pressures, uh, two tackles for loss, three quarterback hits. And what a pickup Derek Barnett has been. If he could play his hometown team, the Titans, every game, He'd be going to the Pro Bowl because he's had now. He had five pressures yesterday, one and a half sacks. He knocked down the quarterbacks four times. And uh, in his two games against them, he has two and a half sacks, four tackles for loss, four knockdowns, and seven pressures. So the pressure they got up front uh, was just tremendous without two of their best players, and you know they may precipitate Derrick Henry getting out of the AFC South. He may want to go to another division. And congratulations, DeAndre Hopkins. It was a quiet game for him, but he got his seventh 1,000-yard season, and we saw the first five. Yes, we did, and congrats to Hop. And congrats to Derrick Henry. You got over 1,000 yards, too. But uh, the Henry that I saw on the sideline at the end of that game, General wanted to be anywhere but in a Titans uniform going forward. So we'll see uh, what ends up happening because that was a – boy, that was a rough look for the Titans yesterday. General, you talked a lot about the defense. Let's talk about C.J. and what you saw from C.J. yesterday and how the offense looked normal, looked like it was with C.J., looked better with C.J. Your thoughts about how the offense overall looked with C.J. back in command? Back to the Titans first. Um, they beat them up so bad. I don't think the Titans got enough left to be able to beat Jacksonville at home. Uh, and if the Texans win on Saturday, then everything, all the attention will be on the Titans and the Jaguars. And the Jaguars, boy, the Panthers are pathetic. And it doesn't matter who they're going against. But uh, that's, I don't, I just, the team I saw on the field yesterday that the Texans left. It just doesn't look like that team is capable of beating anybody. But, boy, wouldn't it be great if the Texans win on Saturday? And I remember that overtime victory in 2018. It started that winning streak there. So they've won in 18. They won last year. So it's not like they've been getting manhandled like they did when Peyton was there. But uh, as far as I thought Bobby Slowey did a great, job of calling plays they're playing two deep coverage the whole time and he didn't have him throwing the ball down the middle of the field which is what they were trying to do he had him throwing some screens they had two 
receivers carry the ball. They were having reverses, faking reverses. I thought it was very, very creative for Slowick. And he had to see, he said to us last week, that you can look great in practice, but he's been around players before. When they miss a couple games, they step right in and pick up where they left off in practice. And then some need to work the knock the rust off. And I thought Slowick did a great job of getting Stroud back into the groove, back into the flow. Not a lot of high-risk passes thrown into a coverage that was expecting a lot of explosive plays. They just kind of – I just thought it was a tremendous game. He completed 75%. That's 13% over his season average, 213 yards. The touchdown to Brevin Jordan, who did a tremendous job getting open, his rating 102.7. D'Amico said last week he's looking for efficiency from Stroud. In the huddle, coming out of the huddle, at the line of scrimmage, and he used the word efficiency three times post-game. And then his they had just enough of a running game, 111 yards, four-yard average. Devin Singletary averaged five yards a carry to keep the Titans off balance. And then, of course, you know, I thought the special team's terrific again. And uh, with Kaimi Fairbairn kicking four field goals, Cam Johnston punted great. He had King averaging 15 yards on two punt returns. It was the epitome of, of complementary football, which I usually don't like to use that term because it's such a cliche. But that's what the Texans got yesterday, including their first defensive touchdown. We really needed that, needed that here. Good old-fashioned, workmanlike, lopsided victory. Yeah, so non-stressful the, at the end, easy on the heart. Mm-hmm. Oh, we the needed that. First time stress. since October 1st. Exactly. It took three months, but we got another one. <laughs> so the Colts had some stress against the Raiders, General. But the Colts, here they are at 9-7. and seven. I kind of like it that you have three AFC South teams that have clinched winning records. I think that's kind of cool for the division that takes a lot of heat here and still does. I mean, the national media, uh, the AFC South, I know nobody's in double-digit wins right now, but there's some good football being played. So what about the Colts? I hate complimenting them, but they've really constructed a nice season for themselves. The Minshew-Shane Steichen combination has done well for them, and Taylor's back now. What do you think of the horseshoe? Nobody runs on the Texans anymore. Nobody. Not only have they not given up a 100-yard rusher, they haven't given up a 90-yard rusher. And with Malik Collins, and Jonathan Grenard, both of whom have been great against the run, it didn't matter. They still shut down the Titans and Derrick Henry. And here comes Jonathan Taylor, who has been a huge thorn in their sides. He had 96 yards and a touchdown. And Gardner Minshew, he only completed 15 passes, but he threw for 224 yards and a touchdown. His rating was even better than Strub, 111.5. And then Michael Pittman had five catches. So they've they've got balance. And I don't think they would ever have been in this position if Anthony Richardson had been healthy and learning all season. And Minshew yesterday, I think it was a third and one. He faked it and went deep for a long pass. It was a touchdown, I think. Uh, I'm not sure it was a touchdown or not. Yeah, 58 yards to Pierce. But they've got balance. Their defense is playing well. Raiders had to play without Josh Jacobs. And uh, playing with the rookie quarterback, Aiden O'Connell, they gave him everything they could. Colts, uh, I think, 
still have a, I, I think they played nine or either, I think they played nine home games and uh, they're either have a losing record at all. I think they have a losing record at home. They did going in Jacksonville did too. Maybe they evened it, but uh, they have not been really good at home. And uh, boy, what a great way to end the season. It's almost like this is already the playoffs with so much at stake. And if they win, can you imagine it? I mean, I, it's unimaginable to me anyway to be guaranteed a winning record, win six more games than last season. But that double digits, if it was 10 and 7, it's already phenomenal. But to be in this position in D'Amico's first year, unfortunately, uh, the Kevin Stefanski is going to win coach of the year, especially after winning here so decisively. Wait, but man, really? D'Amico, absolutely. What? Everybody in the country saying Stefanski. And D'Amico will finish second. Wait, I, hang on a second. I understand Stefanski has done a good job there. And, yeah, he's done a great here, but job. This, this is not about head-to-head. Look at their freaking roster. Look, everybody poo-pooed the Texans. They're supposed to be uh, getting a top three pick in the draft. Mm-hmm. And he has them at the precipice of the postseason. And you're saying it's a lock for Stefanski? I get the Stefanski sentiment, but I can't write off D'Amico Ryans. If he wins Saturday night and gets 10 wins and – Maybe even possibly wins the division. If Jacksonville loses and the Texans win and win a division, how is he not coach of the year? You guys be prepared, Kevin Stefanski, getting all that publicity. The yep. uh, Texans have had no nationally televised games. You haven't had all the broadcasters talking about D'Amico. The voting, of course, is based on regular season. It's done. It'll be done next week, I think, on Tuesday. And I'm telling you, Stefanski, because all anybody can think about is four starting quarterbacks and losing their top three offensive tackles who've been on IR. And, yes, they got a really good roster, but just prepare yourselves. Okay, I'll ask you about two awards. And what are the chances? Offensive Rookie of the Year, C.J. Stroud. Defensive Rookie of the Year, Will Anderson. What if he puts on a show on Sunday night or Saturday night in front of everybody? Does he have a chance, General? Of course he does. Jalen Carter was the runaway favorite early, and now I haven't heard his name mentioned. And the Eagles' defensive line has not played well. They just lost at home to the Cardinals. Who's the corner from Seattle people talked about for a while? Oh, Devin Witherspoon. He's been banged up. Devin Witherspoon, he's been hurt. They're not doing well. If Will plays anywhere near what he did uh, against the – Colts like he did the Titans he's going to have that captive audience right before the votes are sent in and I think he will have a great chance one of the things I hope they mention a lot are the pressures that he had like six yesterday he's had you know he's had seven sacks that sets the team record it's weird when you hear that Brooks Reed shared the team record instead of J.J. Watt Mario Williams now J.J. Bounced back with 20 and a half his second season. Mario had, I think, like 14 and a half. So I can't wait to see what Will does next season. But I think Will Anderson, boy, he's in the right spot at the right time. It's a great chance for him. And, of course, the broadcasters will be talking the whole time about what a great job Tomiko's done. But they're also going to be talking about what a great job that uh, Shane Steichen's done. Yeah, I mean, he's done a good job. You cannot take yep. that away from him, and maybe the winner Saturday night deserves it. I don't know, and Stefanski certainly deserves heavy consideration. It's tough. Okay. Well, you what just about- watched. They're going to give it to Stefanski. 
All right, congratulations, Cleveland. <laughs> Somebody's got to knock them off. Gosh. Although part of me wants could, Flacco it, to play so could, well. It could be us. Part of me. Yeah, it could. It could. If part the Texans of, are playing at Energy Stadium, not this coming weekend, but the following weekend, it will be the Browns. Oh, boy. Again. And you get your shot at them. Mm-hmm. But the votes will be in. But it's more. It's about more than the votes. Let's <laughs> just put it that way at that point. Uh, General, Who do, let thought, me ask y'all a question. Yeah. If the Texans get in as a wild mm-hmm. card, so much is unsettled. Who are they? What's the division champion they'd be most likely to play? Miami or Buffalo? No, they won't play Miami. Miami is not part of the mix. The only two places they can play are Buffalo and Kansas City. Wait, why can't they play Miami? If can't Miami, play Miami. What if they win the division? I don't know. People have done the math on this, and I've just read the math. And they All can't right. play. They so will not Buffalo play Miami. Or KC. It's Buffalo or KC. Uh, huh. I I'd rather play take... Kansas City the way the Chiefs are playing. Yeah, yeah you, but, well, but you know what? The two of us have PTSD from that place down twenty-four to nothing. I might rather go to Buffalo. I'm serious. I might rather go to Buffalo and exercise the demons up there. Well, instead of the demons, in there Kansas are demons City. in either place. <laughs> <laughs> we walk into those two places and we're like, "Hi, demons! We've seen you before." Yes, they went twenty. Yes. They get up twenty-four. Oh, they ain't blowing that lead. And they also no. won at Arrowhead that season. Was that the last time that they no, have been to they Arrowhead? Opened, they opened this twenty twenty campaign at Arrowhead in the Super Bowl celebration for the Chiefs. COVID. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh. Yeah. Thursday nighter was a horrible game. Oh, horrible. Awful. We had technical. Di- it was oh, awful. So bad. Awful. Uh, General. Uh. I thought Will Levis. One more for you here. I thought Will Levis had to start because if he was healthy, because they had to evaluate him. Well, he's hurt again. I don't know if he plays next week. Are they good with Will Levis going into next year? Or are they going to have to go shopping? What do you think? No, they're good with Will Levis, and I think the Titans have a better chance right now with Tannehill playing that last game against Jacksonville than they will with Levis. Levis makes too many mistakes where Tannehill is kind of a smooth operator. And uh, knowing it could be Derrick Henry's last game at home, he's going to want to put on the show, even though their offensive line is horrific. But uh, I think Texans fans should want Ryan Tannehill to be the starter in that game. Yes. Go Aggie. Let's go. And he's auditioning. Tannehill. He's auditioning for another job, too. So he needs to go out and have a good performance so other teams looking for a backup will uh, have a good feeling about him. Although I am so bitter and shallow that should a victory not occur for the Deep Steel Blue on Saturday night, I'll be rooting for the Jags to win the division. <laughs> Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to prevent the horseshoe from any kind of happiness yeah, in that I'm way. So that's just how I am. That's not petty. That's just that's competitiveness. That's that's good stuff. I cannot have them winning that's their first stuff. division title no. since 2014. No. It cannot no. happen. All right, John. Thanks a lot for joining us. We'll catch up later in the Thank week. Thank you, guys. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Up next, let's analyze a few things about this matchup. Texans Colts Saturday night for the playoffs. You bet. We will discuss that next right here on Texans All Access. Welcome back to this Monday edition of Texans All Access. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. A big discussion point for Mark and I was the impact of Will Anderson, the Terminator. We had a discussion right here. Oh, that was nice because mm-hmm. he had one on the next play, too. Will now with seven sacks, Texans rookie record. Not the full complement of snaps yesterday either. And thank goodness for the Derek Barnett acquisition. We'll catch up with Nick Casario this week. This has been very well played. With all the injuries, acquisitions, Kareem played yesterday. Yep. That was nice to see Kareem 
I like the there. safety mix they had going with DHC and Kareem out there, kind of rotating opposite Jalen. Thought it was good. Thought the secondary played well. They'd really get tested a whole heck of a lot. I mean, Tannehill was 16 of 20, but he got he got a lot of that in garbage He time. made a throw after the second sack to Hopkins. Oh, that to was a great up throw. The field goal. That and was that's what throw. we need from him on Sunday <laughs> we need against that. the Jags. We need you, Ryan Tannehill. Yeah. We we need, you, Mike we need Vrabel. We need the Texans to beat the Colts and just let the chips fall where they yeah. may. We can watch Sunday with a lot of stress. I know it's I think it's called house money at this point because the expectations were not to get here. And I get that. But I just think now that you're here, know, it's not like you're no one's saying they're not gonna try because oh it's house money, <laughs> whatever. Uh, this is just for fans to process the occurrence here of having this win and in scenario in yep. week 18 now that you're here you got to take all you can possibly get you don't know what happens next year the year after that we know that better than anybody take it while you got it sell out win do it go on a run see what happens i can't believe they're here he has instantly turned them back into a winner now it's not the first time that a first-year head coach has done this because Bill O'Brien did it with the 2013 team that went 2-14, and 14, and then they went 9-7. and seven. But, I'm going to say but, Johnny, yeah. we're looking at three consecutive years of not winning and Correct. really tearing down the entire roster. That 2014 team, and I don't want to take away from Bill's job doing that because he turned them back into a winner. Yeah, I always right. give him credit for that. Right. And, what, three consecutive winning seasons. I know mm-hmm. they were 9-7, and sevens, but so what? You got the right. job done. Uh, and had they had a 17-per-conference playoff allotment in 2014, you would have made it right. that year. Right. So anyway, he turned them back into a winner. But that team had a lot of talent on it. Yeah, I right. mean, 2014, you're handing off to Arian Foster. You're throwing to Andre Johnson and right. DeAndre Hopkins. You got that old, You got Dwayne Brown and Chris Myers still on the team. You've got a, J.J. Watt. You've got a lot of people on the team who are really, really good and established NFL veteran players. Mm-hmm. This team... You have a lot of young guys, second-year guys, some vets sprinkled in, and they've done a masterful job top to bottom of creating a team that can win games. Now, they've won nine. You want to win the 10th, get in, and let's have some fun in the postseason party. Well, I think, I mean, obviously, bringing up D'Amico, it's almost to me like you you bring up D'Amico, you bring up Nick. You bring up Nick, you bring up D'Amico. Because the draft is incredible. Oh, by the way, do you hear anybody bitching about moving up and taking Will Anderson the number three pick anymore? Yeah, terrible yeah. move. How yeah, is terrible uh, what's move. his name doing that everybody wanted him yeah, to pick? Exactly. Oh. Yeah, what's Luke Lucas Van Ness doing with the Packers? Uh, anyways, wait, what's uh, Tyree Wilson? Yeah. yeah oh how's, boy. Oh, well, how's he doing? It's not been well. No. It's been okay. I, I saw a highlight that popped up. Anytime that he does something, it pops up on Twitter because the Raiders fans are like, look, look, see, 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 he can be okay. Anyways, I do He's think Tyree's two, two and a half sacks. Yeah, look, Tyree's got Tyree's Tyree's got some game. But nothing against him. I mean, seriously, nothing against this him. Special, you moved dude. up. You were supposed this, to take a special guy. You did, and he's, he's playing a special, in a special way. He's a special guy in so many different ways. Mark, I was I went down in the end zone when they went when we had the goal line stand. This is something nobody's really talked about. So we're going to talk about it. Landry and John, you queued up. I'll be nobody's talking about guy. The goal line stand, seven stops of the Titans. Seven inside the seven-yard line. Seven freaking stops. So I go back to the end zone after Hop makes that catch that gets him down inside the 10. So I'm watching from the back of the end zone every play. I want y'all, if y'all haven't done this, I want y'all to watch Will Anderson before the snap of a football. That dude's twitching like he's on Pop Rocks and cocaine. 
Like he's just, he's twi- like he's twi- he's in his stance and he's just twitching, like waiting for the Forrest ball to Whitaker. be snapped. <laughs> it, it is. It's Forrest Whitaker fast times. I'm watching and I've seen it at various times throughout the year. He's twitching. I mean, he's tweaking like Dave Chappelle in the Chappelle Show. It's unbelievable. Did they smash up his car the night before? I don't know, but I'm telling you, 51 was on one. Dude, absolutely was. Two sacks. Didn't even play but 20 snaps or so. Will Anderson Jr., a big star on Sunday. Our biggest star is Andre Wary. He'll join us next. We got all kinds of things we're going to talk about, including my analogy of expired milk. You see what I'm talking about next right here in Texans All Access. Welcome back to the second hour of Texans All Access for this Monday evening. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, and it's time to catch up with our pal Andre Wary. We had a blast talking to Dre, as always. We got into a lot of things. This was as fun a conversation we've had all year long. Take a listen. First down at the Tennessee 12-yard line. CJ fakes the give, dumps it off, short left. Brevin Jordan across the five, walks in, touchdown, Houston. That play was made by the block of Damian Pierce. The ball never gets off if Pierce doesn't just get a piece of one of the blitzers for the Tennessee Titans. Nice. Brevin Jordan playing a lot of fullback in that game. I got a I got a good story about that play. Okay. Uh, well, let's oh, we'll get, save it. We'll let's get to all it. the stories here because Andre Ware joins yeah, us now. Absolutely. And we're it's story time on Texans Monday as the story is the Texans will play for a playoff berth on Saturday night against the dreaded, hated, despised, awful, horrific, horrible, <laughs> miserable horseshoe <clears throat> in Indy. And, Dre, not that I have feelings about this, but... Happy New Year. Here we are. Did you ever think it was possible? And I guess the answer is yes at some point this season. But in the offseason, we would have taken this every single day of the week and four times on Sunday. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, you you know, if you'd have told me this during the offseason, heck yeah, it comes down to essentially a shot at the division, a shot at uh, making the playoffs or whatever it was. And it comes down to the final week with the Colts. You're right. I'd have taken it uh, ten times over, and uh, let's go, let's go roll the dice in Indianapolis and, and see what happens. Dre, you know the position better than anybody in this town or anywhere. Quarterback C.J. Stroud returns yesterday. What'd you think of the way C.J. played? I thought he was solid. I thought he was consistent. I thought the coaching staff uh, did what was necessary to protect a franchise quarterback. Uh, and the, the medical staff, everybody, until he was 100%, don't let him back in games. And uh, yesterday, he was every bit of it. I thought the timing was there. He looked like uh, he'd basically just been unplugged, recharged, and then put back in. And uh, and that's that's exactly how it came across. He was consistent. He was accurate. He moved well. And uh, he was a big, big part of why they they were able to do what they did yesterday. All right, since Motor has entered the starting lineup in week nine, I think, I don't know what the number is after yesterday, but I believe he's still in the top five in league rushers after entering the starting lineup in week nine. So the question is this, do they have the running game? They Clearly it's not all they want, but do they have the running game they need as they head to Indianapolis and perhaps beyond on Saturday, Dre? Well, thank goodness that he was signed um, because he does add some punch to what they want to do in the running game. He just hits the hole a little bit faster. He gives them, you know, in zone runs, 
uh, he, he can stretch it and get bounce it outside. He's, he's big enough and strong enough to run between the tackles. And, uh, and I don't know that we expected it to be this way. I thought we'd expect Pierce to be doing what Singletary does and Singletary to be a complimentary piece to, to Pierce. But it's just the opposite. And, uh, you know, when you need, you don't have to hold blocks quite as long. Uh, Pierce is still effective, don't get me wrong, but it just seems like Motor is, has found something within this, uh, this particular offensive line to where he's doing some special things in the running game. So Singletary was the Bills' leading rusher last year with 819 yards. We all know Josh Allen runs the ball a lot there. Mm-hmm. He has 835 right now. Mm-hmm. If he gets 36 on Saturday night, he has his best year of his career. He's remarkably wow. consistent. Over four per carry, 4.3 this year, 4.6 last year. I mean, really, is it's fun to follow and see how he puts all this together. And we mentioned the Week 9 thing. I'm looking at the numbers right now. It look, it's not crazy stuff. He had a buck 21 against the Titans a couple of weeks ago. He had 80 yesterday, obviously 44 last week, but he had to abandon the run being down in that game. It's fun to watch now. And Pierce looked a little bit better yesterday. So let's keep it going. Yeah. I mean, let him, let's, let's take him to Indy on a fast surface and, and let him channel his Derek, his, his best Derek Henry and go off, you know, uh, <laughs> go get, go get 200. <laughs> In Indianapolis, and I, if that happens, I'm guaranteeing that uh, the Texans come out of that thing uh, with a win and, and, and a playoff berth. So uh, I think that'll be a big part of it. The Colts are no joke. It's a good, solid football team across the board in all three phases. And uh, to, to I think everybody's surprised. Gardner Minshew has played some has played well enough for the Colts to uh, to be in this position to get to the postseason. Now, Jonathan, having Jonathan Taylor back does not hurt one bit. That will be a challenge in and of itself because he is a totally different back from Derrick Henry. Uh, he can get started quicker. He hits the hole much like Motor does. And uh, he's got power. He's got speed. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's a three-down back. This will be a tall order with that receiving core and especially the way Gardner Minshew is, is protecting the ball right now. Dre, I want to go back to the last Thursday in the month of April of 2023, and you and I are sitting next mm-hmm. to one another when Robert Hensley raised up his finger after the Texans had drafted C.J. Stroud and gave us the news the Texans were attempting to get back up to trade for Will Anderson. And you could see my Twitter avatar as you and I shaking hands because we were so excited about Will Anderson. I feel like, Dre, that he has lived up to every ounce of the hype of what he's brought to this team. What have been your thoughts? You've seen every single play Will Anderson's rookie year. What have been your thoughts of what Will has brought to this defense and how he's playing? I would describe it exactly like you have. He has lived up to, to everything anyone expected from him and beyond. And, and now he is starting to reach a next level. Defensive players, because they're just all out every play, especially at his position, there is sort of a rookie wall. You don't feel that with, with Will Anderson. You feel like he wants to, to be a part of every single game, every play. He plays that way. Yesterday, the two sacks, back-to-back sacks, uh, was just crazy. And, and they came at a time in which the Texans severely needed them, uh, needed it to happen. He, he's been magical, as I would say, equal to C.J., but on the other side of the ball 
in terms of what you expected. I don't know if I expected this from him. I certainly didn't expect it from CJ, but dang it, I'll take it. I asked this of McLean, but I want to ask both of you. If you're the Tennessee Titans, are you all in on Will Levis for 2024, nope. or are you shopping for another potential signal caller? Dre, you go first. I think it's really, really, really important the next week uh, against who they play, Jacksonville, for Will Levis, if he's able to go. And then if he's not or starts a game and then he can't, then it's an incomplete grade and you just don't know it. I think they're in the same place they are with, uh, with the other kid from Liberty. So you just don't know Malik Willis. You just don't know. They bring him back. They, those two go at it in camp and maybe you bring in a veteran to uh to to, to complement both of the younger younger guys but they they fight it out in camp you spent a third round pick on a quarterback and now a second round pick on a quarterback i think they almost have to give will levis the keys to at least start next season to see if if he is he's indeed their guy i think i think dre's on it i i'm looking Mm -hmm. I'm looking at every single quarterback option. Uh, absolutely, Including I'm looking Joe at every Flacco. option. It, it, <laughs> Including Joe Flacco. <laughs> oh, he's hot. Well, I, I think oh, the, yeah. I think the Titans. Oh. No doubt. Go ahead, Dre. The, no, I was just saying that if with Flacco, he's so hot that I don't think he can go back to Cleveland, because if you're if you're a coach there or one of the front office guys, that locker room is split right now. And are you going to go into 2024 that way? Because And it may not even be split. It might be one-sided and you just – there's a mutiny when uh, when the other guy comes back because yep. they want Flacco and they've won with Flacco and without all their pieces with Flacco. So, you know, it, it's uh, they've got a real problem in Cleveland that's brewing unless uh, Deshaun comes back and he is every bit of what they thought they were getting. But I just don't see – missing almost three full seasons of how that could even be possible. Wait, wait, hang on a second. Since we're on the subject, it is the greatest reality show in the world. There's no doubt the NFL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is yep. definitely a lot of episodes uh -huh. because if Flacco, let's say he goes to the AFC championship game or gasp the mm. Super Bowl mm. and plays really mm. well, turns back the clock to 2012. How do you go back? Look, I know the money's in there, but how do you go back? I don't get it. The, you, you're right, you Dre. Might Mutiny take the Denver comes to Bronco mind. approach. Yeah, you might just take the Denver Bronco approach and just, you know, hey, we're going to eat it and move on. Oh, but the, the dead I, money I don't on know. this I one. Don't know that that's, it, it, but it's crazy. Ooh. I mean, every penny of it is guaranteed. So who, who knows? I mean, I, and who's going to sign up for that trade with that contract? Nope. I mean, Nobody's going to sign up for that. This might be the only way that this could happen in Cleveland, that the Baltimore Ravens Super Bowl winning quarterback leads them to a Super Bowl. That's yeah. got to be the only way this can happen. And, yeah, and the former and Browns. That's not crazy, Johnny. I know. That, I know it really crazy. isn't. The, the way and Dre, you, you kind of said it, I, and this gave me a thought. If I'm Tennessee, I maybe think about this. Maybe to buy myself some time with Levis, I go yeah. get Joe Flacco. I put him in this offense. I let Levis stay and, mm. and learn from Flacco, and maybe there becomes another point where the, the Flacco exp expiration date hits, yeah. and then Levis has to take back over. Maybe that saves them from having to spend a first-round pick on a quarterback because they have way more issues 
than what's going on at quarterback because what the paper mache offensive line that was in front of Levis and Daniel yesterday Ooh. has got to be blown up. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be blown up. It has to, and I, you know, you looked at you looked at Tennessee. You look, I, I think all three of the other teams in the division. You looked at their offensive line. You were almost envious at one point with with what Tennessee had up front. That's yeah. all gone now. You were almost envious at what the Colts had up front. It's still decent there. They're still able to run the football. And then Jacksonville, I think, has an offensive line with Cam Robinson is healthy. Uh, yeah. it's, it's, it's a pretty good offensive line, but he has not been available a lot for Jacksonville. So when you look at it, uh, Tennessee's probably got the weakest offensive line within the division and it happened in a hurry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. It happened. Yeah. It, it, it got taken down very it fast. Another one for both of you way closer to home though. And I don't want to see this, but Gardner Minshew and the Colts, this is entirely in play that they go on a run. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see it. But if it happens, what do they do about Richardson? Because they have Richardson, and if they ultimately lose and it's not really Minshew's fault, they just couldn't get over the top, what happens there? Because Minshew can clearly I, I, play. Look, they got nine wins right here without Richardson. Yeah, I think uh, I think with that situation, it's, it's a little bit different in the fact that they can bring Richardson back slowly. And I mean as mm. slow as they want to. And that gives them time with Minshew – and and Richardson can now learn. He takes a totally different role and approach to what they did for 2023. I don't think they're going to be as as in a hurry to get him back on the field as as uh, as they did this year. It was just kind of hey, this was going to be a, a let's see what happens here. I mean, I wouldn't call it a wasted year, but they were willing to just see what happened with a rookie quarterback so that he takes his bumps and bruises, and then ne- next year they make a jump. Well. It happened faster than they thought. Everybody wants to win, and so they're going to ride with Minshew. If he's if he takes them on a deep playoff run, yeah, I think it's his job to start uh, start the season next year. And Anthony Richardson now has someone to learn from. Okay, have y'all ever gone into the refrigerator? And you, many times. And you've looked at the milk, and oh, you're like, "Get a bowl night. of cereal." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you want that bowl of cereal. And the expiration date is like you're pushing it. Borderline. You're, it's borderline, yeah. man. You're right. You you're it, right man. there. You got right. no, no, to pass on. the smell test. Right. But, you got to pass the smell but test. But here's the problem with the s- smelling the milk. You're smelling the edge of the bottle. Maybe. And it, and it has the, the, the crud on it. You got to pour a glass, that's then true. smell it. That's the right. true indicator. Yeah, that's true. Gardner, Gardner Minshew is that milk. Like the expiration date is, you're like right, you're right there, you're you're I didn't really know where close. He was going with this, yeah, but that's pretty damn good, man. Yeah, right, but but that's the, but you think about it in that same way, like man, I could really I could really push this, or I gotta go to the store, I gotta get more milk, and I sure as hell not going at 10 p.m. I want this bowl of cereal. You push that expiration date even to a point like it might be a day or two past. I think that's the way the Colts are going to be with Minshew. And that, Dre said, you said it. You let Richardson get fully healthy because that guy has to be to play his brand of football. Yeah. He has to be 100% healthy. That shoulder has to be on point. And I'm telling you right now, that shoulder has been an issue since his senior year at Eastside High in Gainesville. I oh. saw it on QB1. Wow. You could see it. He was dealing with that thing his senior year in high school, and they never – chose to get it right until he gets to the Colts and they're like, hey, man, let's look, we have Minshew. Mm-hmm. Let's hope he doesn't hit the expiration date in October, and we haven't. 
yet. Hopefully it hits on Sunday. Hopefully the milk goes sour on Sunday. And if one of you doesn't use the milk has gone sour when he picks, gets a pick, I will be very disappointed with you. All right, can we get to the things that upset me category of the program? Okay. Things that upset me, but I've got a solution. What happened in the game with the Lions and the Cowboys? Oh, don't even get Hear me out. Hear me out. Body cams for the officials. Of sorts, all right? Let's Mike go to the body cam. Let's go to the body Something's cam. Body cam and mic down. Listen, that was huge. That was huge. Could you imagine if the Lions' playoff lives hung in the balance of that? Mm-hmm. Now, look, they won the division and everything, but it still would have been nice to get that win, and I'm sure the Eagles would have really appreciated it. So it was a seismic shift of things occurring in Big D. I think that there's got to be a way to review it, confirm it, deny it, whatever. There's got to be something here because that was ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's uh, it, it's it's it, that's all you can say is how bad it was, how ridiculous mm-hmm. it was. Um, I, I think as well, though, as as a team and as a head coach of a team, when you get a penalty and you go backwards, and you get another penalty. And you go backwards, and now you're taking your third shot. Oh yeah! At a two-point conversion, mm-hmm. after mm-hmm. the first time, when it doesn't work out, kick it, kick the damn extra point. Yep. And let's go into overtime, and see what happens. But the machoism of of Dan Campbell, I think, unless he changes, is what's going to hold that team back, and they're going to continue to come up short. It's a good and, point. And I, after I... the first one. After the first mm-hmm. one is completed mm-hmm. and gets snatched off the scoreboard, kick the damn extra point. Yep. It was it was pretty clear to me, Dre. He just wasn't going to overtime. He wanted to he, settle it right there. He did not my this is this is my hunch on the whole thing. I feel like he did not want at this time of year his guys to play ten additional more minutes. Mm. I, that's just okay. my that's yeah. my my read on it, and I when they it, don't need it in air quotes, right, right. And I mean, they just want a division. I mean that that's the way I looked at it. I mean, yeah. then the Cowboys helped them out with the offside penalty that got them a little bit closer, but still, I yeah. feel like and, and from that standpoint, Dre. I mean, you know this is as, as well as anybody. The sixteen game schedule was a grind. Yeah, seventeen. I know it's one more game. But Dre, about it, it feels so much more of a grind with 17. I almost, if that's what his thinking was, that, like, I'm just not going another 10 minutes because we got a lot of football to play. There's a part of me that yeah. I, I don't want to say respects it, but I kind of do. But, man, it's a long season. It is. I mean, and then, you know, if you start entertaining, well, let's go to two preseason games and 18 regular season games like they do in Canada. Uh, then it really gets – Super long, and that's mm. not out of the realm of possibility, by the way. Not at all. So that has, all. Been, that has been discussed a lot, and, uh, you know, as long as guys don't play in the preseason, you know, they're, they're going to find a way to to uh, to get an extra game out of you. So you might want to start suiting up in, in the preseason like the old days and stop these. Uh, and then one way you can stop it is these uh, the, the inter-squad practices or whatever it is that they're called. Uh, be, during the preseason. I, don't, I want those to go away just from a broadcast standpoint so we'll get the damn players on the field that we're looking to see <laughs> in the preseason. So I hate them. I hate yeah. those practices. Coaches may love them because they can control the environment and, and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. But uh, there is no rhyme or reason that <clears throat> any research has been done that that saves uh, 
players from injury or whatever. So I, I just I just think that needs to go away. Well, as amazing as the regular season TV ratings have been, and Christmas Day was ridiculous. Christmas oh, Eve, Christmas crazy. Day, fantastic ratings. The preseason ratings are going down because they're kind of killing the preseason yep. with the lack of participation. But that's a whole other topic for the off season. Well, speak, uh, think, speaking of ratings, ahead. stay on uh -huh. that subject for me for just a second. Uh -huh. Pop Tart Bowl, which I was a part of <laughs> with the Oh, I'm Robin, glad you brought it up, Paul Carcaterra. Yeah, Ray, we pulled a four point three in the ratings, the highest, the highest rated bowl game thus far to be played. So, you, you know, you talk about something that I'm awfully proud of. That yeah, is something that I'm awfully proud of, being a part of that bowl game because I thought, what in the hell is the Pop-Tart Bowl? And then all of a sudden it rates higher than anything else. Yes, and we were a part of it. So I am awfully proud of that. All and right, I so when my own horn this morning, you're no, damn no. right I am. Go ahead. Go. Damn right. You, you do Dre, it. Dre Did you some... get a Pop-Tart to eat? So, you know, I'm I'm really upset that that touchdowner of the year dinner already occurred because I want to get up there and talk about your proudest moments, <laughs> and I'll be like, uh, Heisman <laughs> and the Pop-Tart Bowl, and it's, it's and kind of a tie. Bowl. It's kind of a tie. That's right. Yeah. All and right. Johnny, to answer your question, that night I did not eat a Pop-Tart, and it's because <laughs> they only had Frosted. <clears throat> oh, okay. Unfrosted. I eat okay. what flavor though? With what butter. flavor is my way? That's my way to go. And so it's been that way since I was probably oh four, five, six years old. I've been eating pop tarts that long. Oh, you know what? See, I gotta have the frosted, and I like the fruit <clears> filling. <throat> No, but I like I, the but chocolate. I've had the, I've had the frosted with the brown sugar, maple brown sugar. Oh my god! Dude, I have not had one since I was five or something. But <laughs> but it's genius marketing. Oh, it was, it was genius. a total home run. It was great. I mean, never was... mind the amazing TV yes. rating. The after effect of all the social media, with the fact that we're debating pop tarts, people pop know what the trophy bowl. looks like. The mascot yeah. was brilliant, yeah. turning it into it an great. actual pop tart. That that leaves all the other bowls scrambling. Listen. I have to have a mascot that we can eat or something, right? I have to have something it's that like, goes who viral. Did, who did the marketing campaign for this? This bowl's got to go higher than that bowl. Whoever if did I'm, that marketing. Yes. Said, if I'm selling to. both I mean, sponsorships, oh, my gosh, Dre. I'm yes. going to M&M's now saying, listen, I can get your guys yeah, on the yeah, field, yeah, yeah. and we're going we're gonna to do some crazy <laughs> well, stuff. Think back to the Outback yep. Bowl. Think back to the Outback Bowl. Your buddy and mine, Cole Kublik, who was doing the sidelines, they had him eating a blooming onion in the stands and it went viral yeah well like everybody good. was talking about cold eating that damn blooming the onion the it was mayonnaise, like perfect the mayonnaise is disgusting oh. but it went viral it went right viral. so that's the thing all right things that upset me part two can we all agree because i was getting texts from people oh this proves that florida state never belonged oh, God, in the fourth i think it's stop stop, stop. stop. Oh, just stop on, yourself come on. Come yes on, stop it Stop, they totally belong. It. This is not even them. This is an imposter team. This is guys in Florida State jerseys playing Georgia. Come on. I, uh, I'm in the middle of uh, this. I read an article, and I was talking to Enrique Vasquez before the game yesterday about how to fix college football. And he said, hey, this is a theory that I have. It's basically move the bowl season to week zero. Still have the playoff, whoever makes the playoff. But you move the, bowl, the other bowls to week zero. And you get you get rid of the opt-outs because if you're playing for a national championship, guys are going to play in those games. But if you move it, and then all of a sudden I find this article, this big long article on ESPN, and they made it make sense. It would take a lot of the way we think about college football mm -hmm. already has changed 
So it's right. going to be yeah. a drastic change for this to happen. But it's not out of the realm of possibility for that to happen. And then whoever doesn't make bowls, you just match them up. So everybody's got a week zero game going into the season. You stop the opt-out, opt-outs. Mm-hmm. And then you see guys uh, in, in, in the bowl games. And that's basically what you have to really get a, a handle back on. So I don't know if that flies, but I, I think it's a pretty daggum good idea to stop guys from, from opting out and, and not fulfilling whatever commitment they may have signed on the front end. I do like shaking up the thinking. I do like that, that part of that's that. That's pretty idea. interesting. As you, I mean, I, as I do I'm like shaking like, it up and and trying it's to think been shaking of up. other ways to do it. Yeah, because when you go to twelve, it's going to be craziness. But there's going to be there are going to be way more pop tart type bowls yeah. sponsorships. Mm-hmm. You, you have to go more Savannah bananas than actual button down yeah. sports stuff here with the bowl yep. games. As far as the uh, outside of everything, the presentation of it all. So college, essentially, college. you're, you're going to add. Essentially, you're going to add a preseason game, which yeah. is a bowl game, to the start of the season. That's week zero, and and I essentially just like those it. games don't count. And then you go into the regular season. And essentially, it's as well, it's our seniors. Hey, thank you for contributing to the program. If you want to leave early, you're already gone. If coaching changes are made, that's already been done. And then those coaches are now coaching in bowl games. Because I get so sick of guys taking jobs and then sitting back when the coaching staff leaves and not stepping in. It's your job and your football team, and they're your kids now. Go coach I could, the damn bowl game. Listen, if I Go took a job like that, game. I couldn't not coach. I would say I got to exactly. coach this team. Absolutely. Do I don't care who's back. And yeah. how do you sit back and watch that happen? And that's now your program. And you've yeah. been hired already, signed, and you sit back. Oh, I don't step on campus until, you know, January 1st. No. Go coach it's, those kids. It's so weird because we interviewed Elijah Robinson, mm-hmm. and there he is coaching the Aggies. He's on his way to what, Syracuse? Syracuse. Right? He's coaching the Aggies. He's on his way to Syracuse. The new coach is not coaching. It's bizarre. And, look, I complimented Mike Gundy on the air. I mm-hmm. said, hey, this is awesome. You've been there forever. You played there. You've had opportunities to leave. You've yeah. had 18 consecutive winning seasons. You always finish second, third, fourth, and a big, whatever it is. I didn't word it like that to him directly, but I – I like that he's been there forever yep. and that he's devoted to his school, Oklahoma State. I think it's pretty cool stuff. Yep. Yeah, and he's rare because <laughs> even in today's climate, you get run off from your, your, uh, your yeah, alma mater all... <laughs> a lot. <laughs> it happens a lot. It happens it's a true. lot. And then where, where do you go from there? But he's been That's able tough. to be successful at a place. And I'm going to tell you, I've, I, I had the luxury of going there twice, once more than I kind of wanted to. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and it's in the middle of nowhere. It's hard to yeah. recruit to, is my yeah. point. Mm-hmm. And they're in a place like Kansas State, but both, because they have good football coaches, are thriving and uh, will be stories in 2024. All right, Dre, looking forward to Saturday night. We'll catch up later in the week. Yes, indeed. In Indianapolis, uh, I'll see where you guys want to go dine if I can talk you back into the old spot. Uh, listen, I was on the phone with the Resi. Yeah, the, the second, already been working on it. Second, already working on it. The second we got the news. First call he made, Dre. Bring. Hello. <laughs> okay, Dre. We'll talk to you later. Awesome. Let me know. All right, buddy. Great stuff, as always, with our pal Andre Ware. Mark and I will continue to break down yesterday and what's to come next right here on Texas All Access.
Welcome back to this Monday edition of Texans All Access. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, and one of our new favorite players is Derek Barnett. Came over from the Philadelphia Eagles, claimed on waivers. He was released by the Eagles after the trade deadline, so he's subject to waivers. Texans put a claim on him, and thank God they did because he has played lights out. Lights out. He had a big sack of Ryan Tannehill, and that's where our discussion started right here. Spears in the backfield with him. On fourth down, four-man front, Tannehill to throw. Here's pressure, Tannehill stacked. He goes down, Derek Barnett brings down the quarterback. Turnover on downs. Oh, very nice. Will Anderson had a couple, Jerry Hughes, strip sack. Rankins with a scoop and score. Man, what a day for the Texans D. Completely dominating the Tennessee Titans, even when Ryan Tannehill got into the game, and I thought that might be big trouble mm-hmm. uh, when Tannehill got in. Not big trouble, but I thought they could be trouble. Look at the throw he made right before the half. You get back-to-back sacks, and he threads the needle sideline to DeAndre Hopkins to set up a field goal. I didn't think, okay, this starts the onslaught or anything, but, you know, you stick it a touchdown at some point in the third quarter there, and all of a mm-hmm. sudden, okay, they're back in the game, and who knows, maybe he gets hot. He seems different. Uh, he certainly gets a job next year, but they're different. They, it, it's weird to see how they've been taken apart yep. from the losing streak they had to conclude last year mm-hmm. to what has happened this year to them. I know they always seem to have major injury issues all yeah, throughout his tenure been, there. Even in 2021, when they were the number one seed, they had a ton. Of, that, that was your Henry was hurt. Yeah. They had a ton of ton of issues. Vrabel ended up being coach of the year that year. And then Lamar Jackson went in there and one weekend. Oh, no, that was Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow went in there, took care of him. In the year before that. They were the number one seed. In the year before that, Lamar Jackson took care of them at home. That was after the AFC Championship run. It's funny how franchises are and how brand name recognition is so powerful. Mm -hmm. And the Baltimore Ravens, to me, are a huge example of that. They're playing so well right now. But they'll be the first to tell you. None of this matters. I mean, it matters that they got the bye. But none of this matters until they take the field in the postseason and win in the postseason, in the yep. playoffs, in advance. Because yep. they have only won one playoff game in the last nine years. That's it. The Texans have more playoff victories than the Baltimore Ravens in the last nine years. And the Ravens had the number one seed in 2019 and obviously blew it because they lost to the Tennessee Titans. Mm-hmm. But that's brand name recognition for you right there. Oh, they're an awesome organization. How's that been in the playoffs for them? Yeah, yeah. Not very good. But I give them a ton of credit because they always get there. Yep. It's They're like in the last decade plus, they're like the really good version of Pittsburgh. They have mm-hmm. a lot of winning seasons, but they've actually won a couple of games and they won a Super Bowl more recently than the Steelers have. But how about them? Mike Tomlin, another winning season i was about to say playoff appearance but for the steelers to get it that was one that had me head scratching last night i thought wait i thought the texans and colts winning would knock the steelers out and the jags winning too but it didn't happen because the steelers if they get buffalo to lose and they win and we win because the colts well what about the colts the colts would have a tiebreaker in pittsburgh because Oh, so they need the Texans and the Dolphins to win, and they need to win, and they're in. Right. They're They're in. in. They're in. There's a chance for Pittsburgh to get in. Look, I don't put it past the Dolphins to bounce back and beat the Bills. It's entirely possible in South Florida this weekend. Absolutely. I mean, and and there's a little bit of my worry in this because the Texans have been really good. You know, beat the Broncos. They were really good that day, but they were good enough to beat the Broncos. Not so great against the Jets. Now we got to turn around and go in a second road game. 
played pretty well against Tennessee, all things considered, the first time. Then got absolutely spanked by the Browns. Played a complete game yesterday. Okay, do we fall back into that? No, 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 no. I, I don't think so. I, I don't think that applies to this week. I don't I think, think there, so either. There are a couple of differences. Because you're already in the playoffs. I mean, that, that's the, the way I'm looking at they, this. They know this is a playoff game. Yeah, that's exactly it, the way they If they treat. lose, there's no tomorrow. I think there's, there's something about that. Yep. And I can't really quantify this, but there's something about the short week. Yep. That just sort of snaps you in a different kind of reality. Yeah, I think so. I think you so. Know, here you are. Prime You're time gets you going that way. Playing Saturday night in front of the nation. Mm-hmm. Let me now, read how you. about this? No primetime games all year. Oh, wait. We're going to play 18. one that's for everything yeah. in front of the entire world. Can I read you a quote? Do it. Okay. This is from one Coleridge Bernard Stroud the fourth, a.k.a. <laughs> CJ. He said this after the game. I want your thoughts on this because... Talking about these teams mm. that you think you got the team right then and you think, well, no, we'll be good in the future. He had this quote after the game. The time is now. It's not next year or the year after that. It's right now. And I find that fascinating coming from a 22-year-old young man. I could not love him anymore right I know. now. I know. Because you think, okay, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna be big-time winners here in due time. He's looking at it saying, no, no, no. You are where your feet are. He's right. That win said that the other night to us a few times. You are where your feet are. Be where your feet are and live in that moment. And I I heard him say that. I think uh, Sean and Clint played it after the game, and I heard it, or they played it this morning. Uh, Sean and Seth played it. I heard that the time is now. It's not next year. The year after that is right now. And I just thought for his veteran teammates to hear that, I think is 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 perfect because a lot of times you're like, well, we'll win. We'll win in the future. We, we've got CJ. He'll be here for a while. We'll win in the future. Will's a rookie. We'll win in the future. Yeah, like, yeah. no, 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 We're here. Mm-hmm. Let's win a damn thing right now. It's funny. I you, love that approach. It's funny you bring it up that way with the vets, because think about the one year contract guys, yeah. the guys who aren't sure they're going to be back. Right. Exactly. And they might want to be back. You might even want them back, but it's economics. It's whatever. You got an offer, whatever. Okay. They don't know what's going to happen in their careers. So, in a way, CJ's doing them a tremendous service. Absolutely. Let's make the most of your time here, right. no exactly. matter how long it is. Maybe it continues. Maybe it doesn't. But let's make the most of the moment. Nobody knows what's going to happen in their career. So, go for it right now. Just push your chips to the center of the table. Go as far as you can and deal with it. I love that approach by him. I love that perspective by him. Do they have the team to do it? They have a team to go on a little run here. Why not? Maybe a big run. Who the heck knows, man? Just get into the dance. You don't have, listen, it's like the NCAA tournament. Sometimes you look at it, you look at that bracket, or or you're you're a fan of a team. You don't have to beat 63 other teams. Right, right, right. You just have to beat the one that's right in front of you. So right now, all you got to do is beat the Colts. We'll worry about next week after that. Absolutely. Deal with it. That's exactly the way to look at it. Mm -hmm. It is. It's now the NCAA tournament. And what do we always say about the NCAA tournament? Survive and advance. Exactly. Survive and advance. And matchups matter. Mm -hmm. You might get, you might be the seven seed, but the two seed over there might be banged up. The Texans aren't going to play Miami. It just it can't happen mathematically because if Miami ends up winning and and knocks out Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh loses to Baltimore, then Buffalo gets in. Well, Buffalo will be the seventh seed. 
they would go back to Miami. You would end up going to Kansas City. So the only two places you can go Kansas are City Kansas City and Buffalo. Those or only you can two win places the division. You can go. Or you can win the division and play Cleveland here. Those three things are pretty set. It's like you don't have to talk. You don't have to talk too much about that. But if you were to get Miami, what happened yesterday? Bradley Chubb, more than likely out for the year. Injured That's knee. huge. Maybe tore his ACL. Oh, no, That's on top in... of Jalen Phillips already being out. And Tyreek Hill's not healthy. Tyreek Hill's not healthy. And Waddle didn't play. And Ex- Waddle didn't play. Xavier Howard had a foot issue, Ooh. so he went out of the game. No, they're they're limping. So in. the point being, you you're catching a team at the right time. I think about the Colts when they came here for that playoff game in 2018. Hop is terribly banged up. He has to go out of that game, um, and so you've got really that that was your offense in 2018 was throwing the ball to Hop as much as you possibly could you're at home, and you can't do anything. You can't do anything, but you caught the Colts earlier in the year. You scored 37 on them. Yeah. But you just caught them at the wrong. You caught them at the wrong time. They were a little bit hot. Those things happen, you know, in in the playoffs, and we're in the playoffs right now. Listen, that 2018 game, which means nothing to any of these players, but it means something to me. Yeah, I feel like Ryan Fitzpatrick before the Buffalo game in 2014. This means something to me. I'm going to do the pregame speech, Johnny. I'm going to get in that huddle. I'm going to say this means something to me. In 2018, they came into our building. Mm-hmm. T.Y. Hilton wore a clown mask, and I was sure the Texans are going to win because of that and a bunch of other things, and they didn't. So now it's time for revenge. Beat Payback. them at their place, knock them out, and go on and advance into the postseason. Yep. I just, I'm so. They'll be looking at me like, what? T.Y. Hilton, what? Clown yeah. mask, what? T.Y. Hilton? Who, what? what well, I tell you, a lot of these guys probably know him just from, look, there are some grizzled vets in there that probably played against T.Y. Yeah, uh, yeah of at some point. Not with the Texans. Not but with the Texans. They don't know all the nuances of the history with this awful horseshoe. They don't I, know how I feel. They, <laughs> the, the thing about this at this point that, that bothers me a little bit just yeah. is the fact that. Guys that have been here the longest, the the you know Weeksy and Kaimi. I mean they've they've been playing, but um, John Grenard twenty twenty is banged up right now. Titus has already been put on IR. Uh, Laramie Tunsil, you don't have any idea yet oh, what's yeah. going to happen. What else uh, happened God, yesterday I just, that I need to know about? Oh, Who else? Bobby Trees and Noah Brown. Yeah, that's that's troubling. I think both were hip issues. That's troubling. I think they were both because hip issues. So we've had it earlier in the season where either or with those right, guys. Right, right. Okay, Not okay. Both. If both are out, now you have issues. I and mean, Messi's going to play a lot. And you start seeing Robert yesterday really kind of find his game again. Yeah, and CJ Stroud. CJ Stroud is back. So he I likes mean that, Bobby Trees. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, who doesn't like Bobby Trees? I mean, Trees at Christmas time, uh, holiday season, of course. But my, I bring that up because. Last time he played a playoff game. Now, Titus didn't play because Titus was banged up in 2019. But, you know, Laramie played. I mean, Laramie's been through it. I mean, the trade for him. All that and Laramie has been put through. You just want to see him play in the game and be in that game. and want Grenard to be in that game. All they've gone through to play in this important game for this franchise. I just want it for I want it for them to be able to play in that game. And that's that's part of the short week problem, yep. too, that exactly. you don't get that extra day of healing. And that'll hurt a little bit, but hopefully they'll have it ready to go for Saturday. Saturday evening, if you've missed it, 7.15 local time. If you're up in Indy, it's 8.15 prime time. Joe, Troy, Lisa covering the game. Going to be really, really fun uh, to be up there for the first round of the playoffs, a.k.a. week 18. But it is the first round of the playoffs because it is win and keep going. Lose and the season's over. Lose and check out day of Sunday. Win and you can celebrate watching the national championship game on Monday knowing 
that there is a game the following week where the Texans will be in it for the first time in four years. So a lot, uh, a lot riding on this one, to say the least. We'll continue our discussion next right here on Texans All Access. We go on final segment of this edition of Texans All Access, a two-hour edition. No Monday Night Football tonight, so we got you until 8 o'clock. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. This final segment, I told a little bit of a story about Brevin Jordan, uh, which something I thought was really, really interesting to happen. And I had a chance to catch up with D'Amico Ryans right after the game, his post-game interview. Let's roll it. Here's a second down to 19 for the Titans at the Houston 45-yard line. Tannehill shotgun, one back, two receivers each side. Tannehill to throw, more pressure on the way, and Will Anderson gets him again! Back-to-back sacks! Will Anderson Jr. What a rookie campaign. He returns, he sacks the quarterback. He doesn't even play that much and has great numbers. We're talking complete game, maybe complete two-game numbers, and got to hope that he feels really great going into Saturday night as well. Yeah, the injury bug biting again yesterday. We were just talking about it before the break, but they'll deal with it like they have all year long. You have the quarterback. You have a running game now that is not exactly piling up 1966 Green Bay Packer yardage, No, but you've got something here that you can hang your hat on, right, Johnny? You've yeah, got. Devin Singletary running the ball. Pierce looked better yesterday. Pierce returning some kicks. Let's get a little identity going here and and Mm -hmm. get everybody in their appropriate roles. I don't know what Beck is going to do going into next week, but I liked Brevin Jordan playing some H-back fullback. Let's do that. That looked really good for him yesterday and caught that touchdown that you heard in the promo and a highlight earlier. So it's not like everything's firing full go because you have a lot of people hurt but you've got something going up to indy that you can rely on and take your shot absolutely so this is my quick story remember on the first drive the game drove down and there was a play where cj actually extended the play for a lot longer we're all throw the ball away don't take a hit when the play was over cj walked towards the receivers and was like talking to somebody and I remember you guys were actually talking about there in the broadcast, and I could see it. I thought he was talking to Brevin Jordan, but I couldn't understand why. I didn't get it. I was like, why is he talking to Brev? When Brevin scored on that touchdown play, it was the same exact play. But Brevin told me in the locker room, he's like, after the first play, he said, CJ came and talked to me. He said, trust it. Go in the flat. Run the slide. Run the, run the route. Don't worry about blocking. Go be an extra receiver. So, second quarter, what does he do? He runs a little slide route. He's wide open. Turns into a touchdown. And I thought it was pretty interesting because I couldn't figure out who CJ was talking to. And I was like, I think he's talking to Brevin, but why? I got the answer once I talked to Brevin after the game. That's what CJ was telling him. Like, hey, man, run the slide. Because there were two receivers on that side, and it's supposed to be a three-level concept. He wasn't talking to either one of those two. He was talking to Brevin. He's like, Brevin, if you go on the flat, I got you. you. You can make this play. And he did. Got in the end zone. And I told, I told Brevin afterwards, I was like, yeah, man, you didn't run out of bounds this time. It was kind of nice. Was it a year ago on New Year's Eve where I'm watching C.J. Stroud torch Georgia, yeah, but exactly in a right. close loss? One year ago. And now here he is trying to take his team to the promised land. First that? winning season. He gets them there for the first time in four years. Awesome. All right, let's get to your conversation with D'Amico Ryans right after the game. A quickie, but a good one. All right, Coach, there's so many places to start, but I got to start with this. 
a level one to ten, what was your level of frustration? The fact that your defense had not scored a touchdown <laughs> up until week 17 oh, this year. Oh man, it was about a ten for sure. Uh, that's one thing is uh, Coach Dino Vaso. He always does a ball meeting, and yep. we talk about the ball. And I think it was a couple of weeks ago he put up a stat where we were like one of four teams in the league who hadn't scored a defensive yep. touchdown. So I was, you know, there's a little jealousy there. Yep. You want to be on the right side of that, and. Man, it came at the right time. When we needed it most today, I mean, Jerry Hughes, Sheldon Rankin stepping up, making a big-time play for us. Uh, just excited for those guys. Your pass rush was, again, you know, relentless. I mean, that's 13 sacks in two games in the last three weeks against those guys. What really was working for you up front? It didn't seem like you blitzed a lot. It was a lot of the front four getting it done. Is that the way it went for you? Yeah, that's how it went for me, and I really – you know, call the game based on how the how the, our defense line is playing. And I, when I seen the way they were relentless, the way they were hunting up front, I was like, I don't need to call much pressure, allow these guys to just get after it. And it was, I mean, guy after, no matter who was in there, everybody showed up, everybody did their job, played together, and we truly affected the quarterback. And that's how you win games. I know the touchdown was fantastic, but seven stops inside the seven-yard line wow. on that goal line stand because you stop them on third down, but then they get the penalty, and then they go for it on fourth down, seven stops. That's one of the best goal line stands I've ever seen, Coach, and it just felt like everything you wanted to do on that drive you did. You were physical, you matched routes well, you got pressure. That stand, how did you see it from your sideline? Oh, man, it was uh, it was no wavering, right? It was no worry from my standpoint. Our guys, they were ready for that moment, yeah. right? We, true, we go through red zone on Fridays, time after time again, and and we put them in those positions a lot, and they showed up, and the guys executed, right? And that was, that was beautiful to see. Like, no matter what happened, like, whatever play they threw at us, you felt that confidence from our entire group. They were ready for it, and they played together. It's outstanding stop by our guys. Okay, Coach, the regular season is over. I know they might say it's Week 18, <laughs> yeah. but the regular season is over because of where you put this team. 9-7, and seven, Texas, 9-7 and seven Colts. The winner's going to get in the playoffs. First of all, me even saying those words one year after what we went through last year is just incredible to say. So first of all, thank you. But second of all, now the playoffs begin. How do you kind of approach this weekend ready for Indy? Yeah, it's, uh, man, first off, just humbling, right, to say that just blessed to be in this position, all right, to lead this team, to be in this position where we are, right, playing one game for that spot to get in, right, it means a lot to us. And our preparation doesn't change, right? We have to go about it. Just make sure we're on the details of our job, make sure we're executing in the moment. And that's all that matters. Guys, play with relentless effort, attack the football, play together, and we'll come away with the win. Coach, last one. CJ, back in the lineup today. Offense had a good flow, good rhythm. How'd you see the way that he played and the offense played? Yes, it played clean football, right? CJ was very efficient with what he was doing, moved the offense very well. Right, finding Nico and a lot of plays there. It's just move the ball, finding breath for a touchdown. Like it was, it was really nice to see him operate, and it's great to see him operate from a clean pocket. So it starts with the offensive line allowing him to play efficient, and just having a run game. Right, over, over 100 yards rushing. Right, that's what we needed to help CJ, and that's what we talked about throughout the week. So Motor DP did a great job of running the football as well. There it is, a little Brevin Jordan story and D'Amico Ryans with me. Hopefully you heard the D'Amico Ryans coaching show. If you didn't, go make sure you get your podcast um, at our podcast page. You can hear this show if you missed the beginning of it at our podcast page as well. Appreciate you guys being here. Saturday, it's going to be fun, baby. 7.15 up in 
Indianapolis primetime for the first and only, well, not only. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Win this game, and there'll be more primetime games coming up, but we'll see what happens at 7-15 Saturday when we take on the Indianapolis Colts. Second time this year, win and in. It's that simple. We'll see you then, everybody, and as always, go Texans.